0: For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm
1: Mats Svilander. This is Mary Carillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to the Tennis Podcast.
2: Hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, live from Wimbledon, up on the broadcast roof, overlooking Court 18, which can mean only one thing. There is no threat of rain, uh, real or imagined. (laughs) And we are in position A. Greetings to anyone joining us live on YouTube. Greetings to anyone joining us not live on YouTube. And greetings to anyone joining us via your usual podcast platforms. We are delighted to be here in the place that we were always supposed to be and we've been watching some tennis being hit on tennis being hit that's the lingo Catherine <laughs> <laughs> the old the old tennis being hit tennis balls being hit on yep. court 18 behind us earlier on today David and Matt have fallen into the Grigor Dimitrov bear trap
1: well I was trying to lull David in not that he really needs any lulling in it but was
0: one comment you said yeah. one comment ooh, and ooh, i was Gr- i was there griggles hitting the ball well
1: yeah i was saying it sarcastically but david was was lapping it up i mean he he was to be fair he was he was playing a practice set against alex de menor and he was he was flying and then they played a tie break and he suddenly got really tight
0: <laughs> <laughs> so the normal normal service resumed
2: did you david be honest here, after watching Grigor Dimitrov play like a world number one, yeah. did you look up his draw?
0: No, I didn't. No, I didn't. I was too busy marvelling at what I was seeing, and and actually taking in, whilst I was doing other things, just getting occasional updates from Matt saying, he's absolutely destroying Dimonor. I mean, I don't think Diminor's won a point. And I'm sort of thinking, Diminor reached the final queens. So, you know.
2: He was destroying him until he... <laughs> Got into a tight situation. You right. got tight in practice, David.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm.
1: And the other sort of amusing—well, maybe not amusing. Maybe something terrible has happened. But we were looking at the at the scoreboard, and it's been a day where lots of members have been playing and testing out the courts and all that sort of thing. And up on the scoreboard, uh, it said Colin Fleming defeated uh, Dominic Inglot seven-six, <laughs> retired. <laughs>
2: I don't know if England knows that that, that
1: <laughs> is being branded everywhere. That
2: ignominious result has been <laughs> broadcast to all of Wimbledon. All of the score
0: lines were retired after the first set, so I think they were testing out the scoreboards. Right. But, okay. but maybe not. Well, maybe there were lots there, of simultaneous. On this scoreboard,
1: I was looking at, there were some definite. There were completed know, matches. Completed matches. Right. There okay. was also
2: on, on center court today, scheduled at two p.m. Was Billie Jean King against Deborah Jevons, Jevons the uh, the chief executive of the All England Club?
0: Yeah. Um, would watch. Yeah. <laughs> would, <Don't, laughs> put that on. Got, put that on tomorrow. Got, got
2: no issue with that scheduling. <laughs> um, I tell you what, other scheduling got no issue with. Maybe we do have more sway than we gave ourselves credit for because yeah. Venus Williams against Alina Svitolina, we now know, will have Centre Court billing. On Monday, yeah,
0: that was Court 18 until we did our show yesterday, <laughs> and now they're on the centre court now. I mean, it's it's what I hoped for. It's what I think it deserves. I think it absolutely warrants that that billing, um, and I'm just really pleased that the All England Club see it the same way. You know, the committee. I, I I feel as though of all the players who's maybe got a reason to complain over the years for scheduling. of courts it's probably Venus Williams as somebody who's won the title five times I think she has had some court billings that aren't fitting of that record Um, but good on them you know they've done the right thing and it's going to be absolutely amazing on Monday
2: yeah we knew it was going to be Venus Williams and Ilalina Svitolina's half of the draw on Monday because of course Novak Djokovic as the defending men's champion will open centre court Yannick Sinner also rounding things off on centre court on Monday very much pleased to be there vibes, I would say, for Yannick Sinner. Mm.
1: He's, he's got some sway, hasn't he? He's, <laughs> yeah. he's, he's got centre court on the first day. He was, at the, he was at the front of that poster that we were talking about mm. the other day. Things are, things are good for Yannick Sinner at Wimbledon so yeah. far. They rate him, I reckon. They Yannick do. Sinner's must...
2: in with someone important, <laughs> yeah. isn't he? Um, let's start by talking about Venus Williams, because it's been media day today here at Wimbledon. It's always one of our favourite days of Islam. slam. Not for Matt, he's worn... He's worn just one of his average outfits for today. Mm. It's, no draw, it's no draw day. It's no draw day. It's not bad. <laughs> but probably um, not bad. <laughs> in fact, it's, I say it's media day. Quite a lot of the top players are actually coming through the, the press conference room tomorrow. I, think, yeah. I don't know if it's a deliberate effort to spread it out, to spread out the stories, I suppose, for, for the journalists. But Carlos Alcaraz will be tomorrow. Elena Rabatkina defending champion, will be tomorrow. Stefanos Tsitsipas... Uh, will be tomorrow if any of us can can brave, can brave loved up sits a pass. Um, we will cover those press conferences, don't worry. We don't have a live show tomorrow, we don't have any kind of show tomorrow, but of course we'll start our daily shows on Monday and we'll cover anything that comes up in tomorrow's press conferences. But today was the meat of Media Day, and I want to lead with Venus Williams not only because there was some really newsworthy stuff in her press conference elicited by none other than David Law but also because Matt has been kept on tenterhooks all day about the content of this <laughs> press conference because it was in room two probably should have been room one shouldn't it on reflection David it was packed out yeah room I mean two. They've, they've
0: got this brand new theatre media room for for interviews absolutely s- spectacular room and I, I think maybe they slightly underestimated how much interest there was for for Venus, um, who who was yeah put in a slightly smaller room, um, but you know it was still it was still good vibes in there, and she was the first one to come in out of anybody. Yeah, really. and
2: it, and it's not transcribed, Room no. Two, so so well, Matt has not been been able to look up what was said. And yeah. over lunch today, I asked today, at lunch, and I trailed. I said, "Oh, Matt, Venus had things to say to David, and David did his." spectacularly annoying, and I cannot emphasise that enough. <laughs> thing of oh well, wait for the pod. Yeah. I'll, I'll tell you on the pod. Mm.
0: So these uh, lot have got to wait. And, You've got to wait, and we had quite an early lunch. I've been, mm. I've been waiting a while. So, so off you go
2: then, David. Well, tell us everything. This better
1: be good.
0: I mean, first of all, can I just say her pink hair is amazing, spectacular that she <laughs> that she's got at the moment, um, but. She just looked incredibly relaxed, but also motivated, that, that sweet spot. She seemed fully fit, certainly in terms of the way she was talking. But the, the two or three really interesting things that came out of the press comments, the ones that I wanted to know about, were about the fact that she's been put on centre court. We only found that out about 15 minutes before uh, she came into the interview room, and she didn't know. So I broke it to her. Oh. in the uh, in the press conference and she said really <laughs> she said oh cool and uh, and then she said no i didn't i didn't know i was on center court and i mean i think she she probably th- thinks that's right as well as as much as we do but i think it wasn't a given in her mind that that was going to happen i also think she's probably okay if she was on court 1 but i still think it's the right court
1: this is all very meta i'm having News broken to me by David about news that he broke mm. to Venus Williams.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, wow. But then she very quickly went into the experience that she has. And to me, this, this day of press conferences, and increasingly the circuit, is about players who've done it all using their experience and putting it to good use on the court. And, I, and she, she's excited. She's excited to be going out there. I said, will you be nervous? going out there despite all your five titles and all your years of playing here and she said well yeah I probably will because you're always a bit nervous and that that's something that all the top players no matter how many years they've been doing this that Djokovic says he gets nervous Andy Murray's very clear how nervous he gets and I think that that's human and right and understandable and probably good I, th- I think uh, there's a healthy degree of nerves the other thing I, I wanted to ask is about her greatest achievements and I was sort of torn because you don't get that many questions in these press conferences and I was torn between asking whether what what her greatest achievement was in all of the years she's been playing here at Wimbledon and also the 50-year celebration of the WTA yesterday and her role in equal prize money coming about here in 2007. She penned her own op-ed in the times back then ahead of ahead of that year frankly putting pressure on the club to pay equal prize money she was a massive part of 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 that journey and in the midst of answering the question she basically answered both of them she said my greatest achievement in my entire career is that we have equal prize money at Wimbledon and it was a real moment, I think, and I think it was a, quite a moment for some of the other journalists in the room who who maybe don 't cover tennis full time or, or maybe weren 't around it that closely at that time to to realize just how significant she was in that coming about I mean look, it was going in that direction, but she was somebody who brought pressure to bear. She was the biggest name in the sport pretty much at the time. And there she was. You know, We've been told by Larry Scott, who was then the CEO of the WTA, that she was interrupting her Wimbledons in the years before that to speak to the committee and to make the case for equal prize money. And, uh, well, the great news is that equal prize money came about. It's not even talked about now as a, as a question mark. And you could see how much that meant to her that that has happened and that she had a role to play in it.
1: It was good, wasn't it? Wow, that was that was good. That was worth the wait. You'd that have was, thought it. That was, yeah, <laughs> chills, actually. Yeah,
2: really, really special. And I'm, I'm glad she's saying it, because as you say, David, there are so many people out there who don't know the role that mm. she yeah. played in that. And it's not just for her five Wimbledon titles that I think she should be on centre court. It's for that And other things as well. The fact that I'm going to embarrass him now, but Matthew behind our our camera today, we were talking about his extraordinary knowledge of '90s tennis, which rivals potentially David's knowledge of '90s tennis. Certainly late '90s tennis. You want to
0: have a '90s off, Matthew? Well, there
2: is there has been discussion, mostly from me, of a '90s off. I'm ready. I'm I'm very much here for it. Anyway, and we were discussing (laughs) who it was that got Matthew into tennis, and the answer was Venus Williams. Um, and that will have been the case for for a lot of people, mm. and I just want to watch as much of her as as I possibly can on the biggest biggest courts before she retires. And if those matches are against Alina vs on center court, yeah. sign me
0: up. And I, I should add to that, she you know it wasn't all jolly. Obviously, she was asked about what Alina has gone through as a Ukrainian player and what all the Ukrainian players have gone through over the last year and a half. And, and she made it very clear. I I cannot imagine what it must be like for her. And of course, I I, I sympathise with her incredibly strongly. Um, but she didn't spend a long time talking about it because I think she just didn't feel qualified to be able to speak and put herself in her shoes. But there was real empathy there.
2: Irina Sabalenka came into the main press conference room shortly after Venus Williams. There was not quite a quick... it's actually quite a slow start to Media Day, wasn't it? We had uh, Shiontek and Sabalenka. Actually, no, I've got that order all wrong, but nobody, nobody cares about the chronology, so, <laughs> so I'll press on. Um, the reason I was coming on to talk about Arina Sabalenka um, is because she began her press conference with a statement, not a not a scripted statement, but something she had prepared that she wanted to say, which was that she wouldn't be answering questions about politics or the war over -hmm. the course of Wimbledon. She said, if you have any questions or queries about my stance on things, uh, I'll refer you to... Please go to the WTA who have transcripts at the ready where I have stated in the recent past my position on... These matters, yeah. and she has. I, I, I get that. I respect it. I'm glad she said it up front. I hope it's respected. I respect her right to do that. Mm. I would also think it was. I would applaud her if she were, you know, a Daria Kazakina that spoke out in the way she has. But, um, she was. She said everything that I think it's reasonable to expect her to say, and potentially. A lot more in Paris, and I personally am okay with with this particular stance that she's taken.
1: Yeah, me too. I think that topic uh, was front and center of every Sabalenka press conference that she did at Roland Garros. She made it very clear, um, and yeah, I think for now, unless unless something develops or changes, I think that topic is is done, and we know how Sabalenka feels and where she stands on it and yeah I don't think it really serves anyone to just keep hammering her with those questions
2: The only sort of hint she gave, the only sort of nod to that subject that she gave and being banned last year was to talk about, she was prepared to talk about how hard it was for her Mm. not to be here last year she said she was at home, she tried to think of herself as being on holiday during that fortnight but every now and then tennis would pop up on the tennis telly and she said every time it did she burst into tears wow. um, and she said she was really really emotional yeah. about being back and she looked giddy with happiness about it quite frankly she, re- she said she said I'm just super emotional and super happy to be back here and I wonder how much that sort of lightness how far that could that could carry her this, this fortnight I don't know Um, Can't
0: hurt, I wouldn't have thought. Absolutely, she was
2: asked. Incidentally, we didn't get to speak to Elena Rabatkin today. As I say, she'll be on the schedule for tomorrow. But one thing we did see and hear about was her practice with Arena Sabalenka on centre court. I think yesterday, Molly McElwee of The Telegraph tweeted about this. She went out to watch the practice and she said that Rabatkin was barely winning points against Sabalenka. Rabatkin looked like she was still really struggling physically massively underpowered on the ground strokes obviously we'll have the chance hopefully to hear from her uh, about how she's feeling tomorrow how honest she'll be I don't know because she's in the tournament isn't she so you don't want to go in and say I'm feeling crap over to you Shelby (laughs) Rogers let's go Um, but it doesn't sound great to me Molly actually asked Sabalenka about that practice in her press conference and Sabalenka said yeah it was a really tough practice high quality high quality it was great and Molly was like not what, Not I, what saw. I saw. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I I don't know. Particularly... I haven't done my predictions yet, but and I know that falling into the reading too much into media day trap <laughs> is real, <laughs> and I've been in it so many times before, but I feel myself falling.
0: That's a pretty jarring observation, though, from Molly, isn't it? Yeah. Given she saw... Sabalenka against Rybakina at the Australian Open. One of the matches of the year. Probably the match of the year. Two players playing at the peak of the powers. Hardly anything to choose between them. The idea that Rybakina can't compete with Sabalenka on the site of her biggest win. I know it's only a practice set, yes. But I think that that's significant.
1: Mm. Yeah, it's tough to, it's tough to imagine underpowered Elena Rabatkin power just flows off her racket and off her strings so so easily yeah very worrying but you had you had very different take on Iga Svontek in terms of how how she is post bad Homburg right?
2: Yeah she she seems so completely fine (laughs) (laughs) I don't doubt she did have a very disrupted night's sleep and panicked the next morning whatever but if any Eager Tech fans out there are worried about that withdrawal from Bad Homburg and what it means for Wimbledon, I'll calm your fears now. She is fine. <laughs> yeah, she she is completely fine physically. She, I'm sure this was just a um, a turn of phrase, but she described Bad Homburg as as practice. Mm. So it was great to get a bit of practice on the grass. Um, yeah, she's she's physically completely fine. I didn't get the impression that. I mean, obviously. The way she goes about her career is total dedication. I don't doubt for a second she is totally dedicated in this moment to doing the best she can at this tournament. But big picture, I didn't get the impression she was... that conquering grass and winning Wimbledon and making the sacrifices required for that, maybe even sacrificing clay... Potentially, or or taking something away from from her mental energy at Roland Garros. I don't know. I didn't get the sense it was right at the top of her goals list. She kept on referencing how hard that quick turnaround is. She said, "Well, if you if you win Roland Garros, which obviously she's got that in her diary for the <laughs> for the next mm. recurring <laughs> appointment for the next few years. <laughs> if you win Roland Garros, it's blooming difficult to turn your attention to." to grass and i i do think there will come a point in her career where it becomes a feature goal i mean surely if she wins the australian open she's then a wimbledon away from the career slam and i think that changes everything but i'm getting attacked by me well (laughs) I, i was i didn't know whether to say anything but a moment ago there was a spider situation emerging
0: there was yeah oh yeah i was calm
2: you you did you did you see it?
0: Yeah. Oh yeah, saw it. Yeah. That's a major test passed. I would say. Yeah, I would say so. And there's yeah. well
1: done. all sorts of wasps and bees. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, what Iga Swiatek needs is for the uh, French Open to just move itself to October every yes, year. Yes. So ex- that, oh yes. So that she would. I mean, she's proven that she can win it in those conditions. <laughs> Are you and
0: advocating for, for a think, disruptive calendar? I cannon? think
1: Eager should be, uh, but. I did get the sense that she feels readier for this Wimbledon than she has in the past. I yes. mean, she talked about, obviously, there was no Wimbledon in uh, 2020. Uh, in 2021, she actually reached the fourth round here and lost to Ons Chabur. You know, it's not a bad loss at Wimbledon. She was She was looking fine in those first few rounds. And then last year, she was coming off the street. she was trying to protect the street, and she was trying to figure out how to get better on grass she was doing mm. all of those things in the, one the
2: streak was definitely a problem last Total. year whereas now here. i
1: think it's just adapting to grass and she and she spoke about the footwork and the movement didn't she in terms of being the biggest adjustment and if there's anyone whose footwork and movement i i trust to be able to improve on the surface i think i think it would be her and as we said She's got a great draw to be able to try and try and do that. I think this Wimbledon, to me, feels very different to last mm. year's Wimbledon for Igor Svante, especially with a few matches of practice under her belt.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, look, I think she's good enough and her draw is good enough that she could still reach the final without winning Wimbledon being her absolute top priority. Um, or may, very well, maybe even win it. I just... I don't. I don't think she's Rafael Nadal in two thousand and six. Yeah, put it that way. And,
0: and if if we're honest, who is in terms of? It's not just his achievements. It's about his durability and his ability to refresh straight after winning it and go again.
2: I it, think, it was abnormal. I, wasn't I, it? I don't.
0: I can't think of anybody else who's been able to do that. I suppose. You, well, you'd have to say Novak Djokovic, having having done it. Uh, a couple of times you know one Ronald Garris well we'll find out won't we he's, he's going to come in and he's going to try and win Wimbledon now um, and you know we'll come on to him but he looks fresh um, Roger Federer did it in in 09 he won them both but it's so and these are people that have been there and done it for the la- for 15 years before those sort of situations mm. were occurring. I do think Nadal was a one off pretty much in that in that way Um you know, maybe there are other players like Navratilova and Everts, You could, you could perhaps say they did it too, of course, um, if you want to really go back. But it takes a lot out of these people to win a Grand Slam. The emotional high, all the lead-up, the hard work. Then you stop. And do you then try and get any grass court practice preparation or not? And, and I think maybe later in her career, she, if, if this remains unwon for her I think she would start to target Mm. it and uh, I mean Ivan Lendl won several French Open titles and eventually just stopped playing the French Open because he wanted to win here and other players have done that too
2: didn't work out for Lendl did it
0: no but Mm. he wasn't he was never a natural on it either I think she has the ability to to figure this out and and the footwork I think is Personally, is less of the problem. I think her her ball trajectory is is the problem. She's got to learn to flatten out that forehand. I think
2: slice backhand would be
0: well, it would help. But I but beneficial. I think her her backhand's so good. I think it can do what it does. I just I think the forehand needs to flatten mm. out.
2: Other women that came through the press conference room today, we had Ons Burr. Didn't feel like I learned loads about where ons Jabur is at it was a nice time being in the company of ons Jabur is a nice time um she gave a she gave an interesting little line about how you know, she was asked a lot to reflect on last year she was asked sort of how much she thinks about that run to the final here last year and she said oh well I've watched the Netflix episode and <laughs> that was emotional um but she she said that Seeing Elena in his picture in the locker room was a bit of a a, a gut punch.
0: I'd sort of forgotten that she was a set up. Mm. She was so close to winning
1: this, yeah. And I, I do think there's a there's a bit of trying trying to remember what happened last year, but also realise that this is now a new tournament. I think that's always a tricky balance for players. You know, I think we talk about that a lot with and rescue, don't we? Sort of harking back to 2019. I mean, we do it ourselves. Hark back to 2019. Yeah, we're the worst culprits <laughs> yeah. of
0: the lot. Um,
1: I think that's. <laughs> I think it's a hard thing to do. Um, but she said that she just wants to have fun on the grass. Was sort of her aim for the tournament. And I'm thinking, I mean, you always look like you're having fun on the tennis court, and and that's a that's a great thing. I think on Shibur, having fun, she tends to play well when she's when she's doing that so I don't know whether she was maybe deliberately trying to keep it a bit vague it wasn't last Mm. year Wimbledon is my goal it's my dream I've got the Venus Rosewater dish on my phone because I think she really rated herself last year and backed herself to be able to do that she's not she's not had many matches on the grass Uh, she lost uh, to Eula Niemeyer Uh, A couple of weeks ago, she lost pretty early last week as well. Wimbledon champion, though. It's true. It's true. (laughs) But I don't know, I I didn't get the sense that she was as confident coming into this Wimbledon as she was last year. And that's, you know, last year was off the back of Roland Garros. It's it's quite interesting.
2: I I got the feeling she probably does have the Venus Rosewater dish as the background on Mm. her phone. She just doesn't want to tell us about it this time.
1: Whereas last year, she was very happy to tell us.
2: Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I didn't think, oh, I'm writing off on Spur off the back of that. I just. I I can
0: kind of understand a player who's reached the final and is, I suppose, now expected to go and do it again or go on better. And in her mind, obviously, that's her big goal. But there are a lot of obstacles that she's going to have to get over. She
2: she should contact Caspar Rood for advice
0: (laughs) on chilling out. No, well no, reaching, backing, backing uh, up reaching the oh, first Grand uh, have Slam it, final. <laughs> David's forgotten. Of course, yes. He did an excellent job. <laughs> he did
2: exactly what Andre Boer did. Reached another one at the yeah. US Open and then backed up That's the first right. one.
0: Yeah. And uh, I had forgotten. <laughs> <Did we talk, laughs> I always do that. Have we been talking
2: too much about Casper Rood in a Wimbledon preview podcast today and yesterday? Quite possibly. Uh, let's talk about Coco Gauff instead. Um... She sounds in a good place, I thought. I, st- I don't think she's going to win the title. I don't think she's going to get past the quarterfinal. I think the the draw is a problem for her regardless of what place she's in, unless Svantec were to lose before that quarterfinal, which could happen. But I did think she seemed in a good place mentally better than perhaps before the French Open, when I do think there was a lot going on in her mind about her form and the pressure of... Defending that run to the final last year, and everybody talking about the the forehand. I mean, the issues on the forehand haven't gone away, but it just feels like there may be less less front of mind. And she seemed really comfortable to me. Um, she talked about she talked a lot. She did that Coco Goff thing of talking about all the experience that she has.
0: <laughs> How old is she?
2: Eighteen. Uh, she is nineteen. Oh. Can right, she been... was 15 in 2019. 15 yes, plus 4 right. is 19. Well
0: done, Catherine. <laughs>
2: um, really hoping and praying there aren't people in the live chat right now correcting my maths. That would be a blow. Um, <laughs> Hannah is there to moderate. Please <laughs> please keep the wolves from the door, Hannah. Um, yeah, she's There's 19. Stove a bit, when we need <laughs> she does have a, quite a lot of experience. She was like, yeah, the transition from clay to grass is really hard, but. I've got quite a lot of experience at it now, <laughs> so I, I don't find it I don't find it too tough. And she also talked about um playing a qualifier in round one. She's obviously got Sophia Kennan, which I find really interesting because Kennan is qualified. She's got three wins that is a tough draw. Under her belt. And I thought that might pose a bit of a a bit of anxiety to Coco Goff. And she said, honestly, usually it would be worrisome, that's her word, not mine, it Would and I loved it. It would be worrisome for me to play a qualifier in the first round of a slam, particularly a slam like this, where uh, lead-up matches on this surface are at such a premium because mm. the, the season is so short. But she said she feels really good about the matches she got in Eastbourne. She said, I won three matches in Eastbourne, and OK, I lost to Madison Keys, but she's just won the title today. She was in the kind of form where anyone can lose to Madison Keys. So she was kind of like, Yeah, it's tough playing a qualifier who's one three matches on grass, but I'm playing really well and I'm gonna be fine. It was quite quite reassuring from mm. a Coco Golf perspective, I thought.
1: Was there a little bit of a dig at Kenin when they were I wondered that. When oh, excellent. I, I wasn't wand- there. Uh, Do tell I, me. Because I I mean, you here in the room and well. I only read the transcript. <laughs> right, OK. Um, because they played twice and the head-to-head is, is one-all. Uh, both of those matches were um, right at the start of the season. It was, it was 2020, so Coco Goff coming off her breakthrough in 2019, played Kenin at the Australian Open and lost that match. And Kenin obviously went on to win the tournament. And then they played at the start of this year, in I think it might have been Auckland mm. and Coco got off one so the head to heads won all
2: thus crushing David's predictions dreams
0: yeah oh, thanks yes. for that I don't need to that. bring that up also. Catherine
1: has a <laughs> photographic memory for incorrect David predictions yes that's yeah. correct um, dating back several years yeah. <laughs> um, but she was asked about Kenin in 2020 and she said her game's still the same I've got better mm. oh
0: yes I love it. And
1: I'm thinking, <laughs> yes, you you have got better, but also I really don't think Henning's game is still the same as when she won the Australian <laughs> Open.
2: Because she's definitely not winning Grand yeah, Slams at the moment. She's literally
1: qualifying now to get into these tournaments. And, and uh, I don't know. I so do... you're
2: saying she was damning, but actually not as damning as she should have been. <laughs> not as damning as Matt
1: Roberts. Yeah, she should have said, she's got much worse and I've got yeah. way better. Yeah. Um, so
0: basically I'm going to win easily
1: but I don't know it's almost is it almost more I don't know maybe it's more damning to say Kenny's playing Kenny's game hasn't changed and now look where she is I don't know it did,
2: I mean she said it, she said it in a very Coco Goff way which is you could all, sure. you could very easily not notice that it was damning but it was a bit damning and I don't think look, I don't think Coco Goff is a cliquey person at all I can imagine her being incredibly warm and welcoming to everybody in the locker room but Kennan definitely isn't in the fold No, is she's she, not part of the, of American of the She's on the outsiders I certainly don't think there would be any kind of Oh, I, I can't say that about her because she's one of my mates or one of my yeah. Billie Jean King Cup yeah. teammates I don't think that sensitivity would exist I think she just said what she thought and what she thought was a bit damning about Sophia <laughs> Kenan so it's, it's one of the
0: reasons that Kenan is so interesting when you throw her in Mm. to the mix, and she's a disruptor. The, the mix? Well... Did you just put Ken in, <laughs> in the mix? <laughs> no. <laughs> in a, another mix. Uh, steady uh, on Well, I just related. find her really interesting because I think she, she r- enjoys upsetting mm. the, all the predictions and all the pipe. I mean, I think she is one of those players that, OK, she's had a really bad time of late, but even when she'd won the Australian Open... Nobody was picking her to go all the way at the French Open later in the year, which she reached the final of. And I think that that happens with her. And I'm guilty of that. When, when we look down the predictions, even when she was at her very best, do I ever put her in the latter stages? No. And I, it's because I think her game looks as though it has limits. But in truth, she's, she's done something that Coco Gauff has not done anything like as well as. You know, winning a Grand Slam title... I mean, you know, that is Coco Goff's dream and she's so on the record about that. She doesn't shy away from it. Um, So I think it's a cracking first round.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that's really, really interesting.
0: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right.
2: The men's press conferences today, as I said, Carlos Alcaraz, the top seed uh, we have to wait until tomorrow, as we do for Stephanosit to pass. We're going to do paper, scissors, stone to decide who has to go to that one. No, just throwing that out do there. Do you call it paper,
1: scissors, stone? What
2: do you call it? Rock, paper, scissors. Well, yeah, that, that <coughs> what, I would call it either. Okay. What would you call it? I just
0: flip a coin, <laughs> like normal. That's, you know, like a- my generation. Because I don't know how to do. I don't know I don't how to think do it.
2: Paper, scissors, stone is a modern
0: <laughs> thing, David. I don't. It is. It's not. It isn't. It is a modern thing,
2: David. They I'll do... say it for the second pod in a row. We're on YouTube now. We have to be more in <laughs> touch with the youth.
0: It's more modern than, than flipping a coin, like my generation would.
2: I'm pretty sure rock, paper, scissors dates back possibly centuries.
0: Does it? No. <laughs>
2: OK. Uh, again, but thoughts and prayers for Hannah in the live chat. Um, <laughs> let us let's Hannah's talk, got my back. Let's talk about... Should we talk about Novak Djokovic?
0: Yes. Mm.
2: Um, defending champion, world number two, staggeringly relaxed.
1: Mm. Oh, yeah. His first words were, I feel great. <laughs> I, I almost felt like we could have wrapped it up then. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Oh, like, as in the whole tournament, <laughs> yeah, oh he's going to win it, yeah. give him the trophy <laughs> let's play for second place
0: well that's what he came into Roland Garros like. If you mm. remember his pre tournament press conference, it was notable by how he wasn't talking about injury concerns, he was looking r- as ready as you could possibly mm. be, and he won won that tournament and honestly any look anything can happen he could he could have an issue that that comes along that he knows nothing about right now he could run into a player playing out of his mind anything can happen in sport but he do, he just couldn't look more the favourite for this tournament if he, if he was at any age mm. I don't think yeah
1: and I mean he was he was certainly talking up his game at Roland Garros wasn't he right from the start as you say but there was a there was a heaviness and a a kind of darkness to some of those press conferences he didn't seem in in the best mood. And here, he just, it was much more relaxed, he seemed much happier, he was much lighter. He was actually asked by uh, Steve Fraser of the Times about how he's going to make sure that he doesn't lose motivation now, that he's got, you know, the lead in in the men's Grand Sam race, like he did in 2016 when he won uh, Roland Garros for the first time and was holding all four. There was a big drop in his motivation and, he just absolutely quashed that idea didn't he he just said he's so motivated still and i think you know going back to what you were saying about his his experience and the experience of players he's he, he's got experience of losing motivation in the past he knows now how not to and how to keep setting goals and like he's just in he's just in such a perfect place right now and there is there's is literally one man in this drawer who has beaten him on grass and he's got a metal hip <laughs> I mean <laughs> so yeah in short I feel great
0: <laughs> it, did, it did strike me when he when you talk about him looking relaxed which he did you know they were, they were trying to get out of him now that you've won 23 and you've overtaken Nadal. Now, do you feel like a weight has lifted? And and he was, he said, "Well, not really. No, I don't feel any any more relaxed about I feel like this tournament." He I had s- a
2: calendar slam yeah. written on his face. But I in also think, Sharpie. you know, mm.
0: they, these players, they need that's it. It's the edge that they need. They they don't want to come into these things too loose. You know, they put their game face on, and we we. We saw it there. I mean, I, I will talk about experience with Andy Murray. I, I think he, his press conference was absolutely fascinating. But Novak Djokovic, that whole revelation during Roland Garros that he he uses his aura in tiebreaks to bear now, and it's it's kind of almost calculating with these guys. And so it should be use what you got.
2: Yeah, I just don't think there's anyone in this draw that he's remotely afraid of on grass. No. Not at all. No. Uh, We will come on to talk about Andy Murray next, because you're right, I think that was probably the press conference of the day, maybe Venus Williams aside. Before we do, Novak Djokovic was one of the players, one of the many players that was asked today about Saudi Arabia, and uh, Andrea Gaudenzi's um, statement recently that he's in talks with Saudi Arabia and the Public Investment Fund, which is an arm of the Saudi Arabian state, and... Billie Jean King and Steve Simon and Mickey Lawler's comments yesterday about the WTA being open to talks, no decisions having been made. They sound slightly more reticent than the ATP. Um, No deals done for either tour, um, but they're certainly open-minded about it. And Billie Jean King um, at yesterday's 50th anniversary celebration made pretty clear her feelings on... Tour tennis official involvement in Saudi Arabia and other parts of the world with poor human rights record which is that while she has concerns about it she always believes in communication and openness being the right way forward and the only way to progress and she wants to see progress in those parts of the world and that's been real food for thought for me because I feel I feel sick um, at the thought of Saudi Arabia's inevitable creeping involvement in tennis Um, but I also think Billie Jean King is never wrong Um, so I'm sort of balancing balancing those two things in in my mind at the moment and I haven't I haven't reached a conclusion one thing that has struck me today um, with the repeated raising of of the Saudi Arabian issue is how normalized it all feels and how unshocking it now is when players don't really express much opposition to it. Novak Djokovic talked about anxiety about preserving the history and tradition of the sport in a potential collaboration with Saudi Arabia, but he didn't say anything about human rights concerns. That doesn't mean he doesn't have them. But I want the first thing people say in, in response to questions about Saudi Arabia to be, I am un, I, there are things I'm uneasy about. Even people that are supportive, there should still be things you're extremely uneasy about here. Is it that hard to say? <laughs> I am uneasy about somewhere where homosexuality is criminalised, where women's rights are appalling, where you know, journalists are being murdered. That shouldn't be hard, and it should be shocking that people aren't saying that, and yet nobody said that today, really. Andy Murray came the closest, and it didn't even feel that newsworthy. Mm. And that normalisation, that creeping normalisation, really worries me because that is the whole point of sports washing. Yeah. Mm. And I do think that is a direct result of what has happened with Live and the saudi public investment fund and the pga tour legitimization normalization was exactly what they wanted to buy and they've bought it
1: yeah look there's there's no real talk in in tennis at the moment in terms of saudi arabia saudi arabia setting up a rival tour which is obviously what they originally did in golf and that was i don't think as you it, it, exactly as you've just said, I don't think that was their end game in golf. That was not their goal. That was just something they felt they had to do to sort of gate crash into the sport. And now what they've done is by sort of basically sort of taking over the PGA Tour, when that eventually comes comes in, it hasn't done yet, but it sounds like it will, they've, they've sort of bought legitimacy in the sport. And that's, that's what Andy Murray said. He said that he wouldn't play in Saudi Arabia certainly for any exhibitions that have been mentioned in the past he he absolutely would not do that but once Saudi Arabia gets itself into the sport in a way that is sort of forcing players to go because otherwise they're missing out on ranking points and they're missing out on proper playing opportunities against top players that is the end game for Saudi Arabia and they're, they're getting that in golf it seems and It feels like they're going to skip out the sort of hostile rival Mm. tour in tennis and just go straight into sort of becoming part of the ATP tour. And based on what Steve Simon was saying and Billie Jean King yesterday, it doesn't feel too long that the, the WTA are going to be there either. And yeah, I mean, like you, I mean, Billie Jean King is sort of our... Our guiding light our sort of moral compass I suppose and uh, she had a very different take to the one that I had so I'm still considering that and thinking about that but from the WTA's perspective they've just announced this uh, brilliant initiative to, to get equal prize money you know I, th- I still think it's, it's it's some years away but it's a great stated goal and intention but how will they possibly be able to do that if the atp is in with saudi arabia how will the wta be able to do that without themselves being in with saudi arabia i i just don't see how that would be possible so that brings a whole new sort of element to it as well but yeah just i would echo echo your thoughts on mm. i just want i just want players to state up front that there are There are moral issues Mm. here that are actually bigger than tennis.
0: Mm.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, this isn't going away. (laughs) It's going to keep coming up and we'll keep covering it um, as and when it does come up. Andy Murray's press conference. We all went. I think everybody everybody in the media centre went. I actually thought some of the press conferences today were a little bit sparsely... Attended. Um, I don't know whether that's because there were a lot of uh, British players in smaller rooms that a lot of the British journalists would have been distracted with, and obviously yeah. a large cohort of the of the of the media here are are British for for obvious reasons, us included. Um, but everyone showed up for Andy Murray. I think, and I doubt anyone regretted their decision. It was it was an interesting fifteen minutes, wasn't it, David?
0: Yeah. Well, he. He looks and sounds as well as he has in years here at Wimbledon. Uh, I would say since he since he won it in 2016. Now, I'm not saying <laughs> I'm not saying he, he's going to win. I mean we, we did have a bit of a laugh about that because he uh, did, did a gag <laughs> in, his, que- in right. his question
2: to Andy Murray and he laughed. It was a, it was lovely stuff. Well, I mean, stuff.
0: I can't even exactly remember how it came about, Well, well the
2: whole press conference started with a question from a British journalist apologies I Rob can't Maul. quite remember Rob Mall from The Sun saying um, Andy I don't know if you know this but the last time you played a Brit in the first round of Wimbledon of course he's drawn Ryan Peniston in the first round this year the last time you played a Brit in the first round of Wimbledon you won the tournament and he said in his deadpan way he does that there's that delayed reaction where he's looking the questioner dead in the eye <laughs> and you just don't know which way it's going to go <laughs> And then, and then he smiles and goes, "I didn't know that. Oh, great!" <laughs> <laughs>
1: he said, "Give me the trophy now."
2: Did he? Yeah.
0: <laughs> it was
2: great. It developed into a great moment, but <laughs> there was there was about a second and a half of real anxiety, I imagine, for Rob Mall. Anyway, so that was the kind of precursor to you doing your little gang. Well, David. I just said,
0: obviously, my question's is now irrelevant because you're going to win the trophy, but. Um, Short of winning the trophy, what in your current state of mind and physicality would you be happy with at the end of this tournament? And what do you think you're capable of doing? I mean, and he he said, look, a lot of a lot of it can d- depend on circumstances. You, if you do draw Novak Djokovic in the second round, which he hasn't, I mean, we've been talking about Penniston to play the winner of Team and Tsitsipas being a good draw for him, but if he did draw. Novak Djokovic you could play out of your mind and still lose and that's perfectly acceptable and you could come off thinking well I did pretty well and I'm happy with how I played but obviously that wouldn't be what he would want to achieve um, what came through was his excitement at his own physical fitness his own form his own mental approach just generally at the moment and more than any, I mean, he said I regard myself as one of the best grass court players in the world and that's when I thought of Novak Djokovic and tie breaks and Novak Djokovic and Alcaraz and putting pressure on these young players who haven't been there and done it. He said himself, I'm, you know, I, I'm the guy who, who played Novak Djokovic. He and knew uh,
2: he was the only guy in the draw that had ever beaten Djokovic on grass. Yep. He sort of said it a little bit humbly, didn't he? He was like, it was, it was, I'm not sure yeah. if there's... A, like, there you, might you, be you are, some others. You are sure.
0: Yeah, y- you, you know. know. And, and I think he just he made it clear, he is going to bring his presence, his aura, to bear at this tournament. That is what I think you can expect over the next two weeks. However long his run lasts, I think he's going to use the crowd. I think he's going to use his noise on the courts. I think he's going to be loud. I think he's going to be in the face of whoever he plays, and he's going to make them feel what it is like to share a court with the guy who beat Novak Djokovic in straight sets in the final ten years ago.
2: Good luck, Ryan Peniston. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you see his cheeky little grin when he said that uh, he'd done well in his practice set against Novak Djokovic?
2: I did see that, yeah. but I, he, I, I
1: don't
2: what know what did that you meant? think of it.
0: He was trying very hard not to tell us the score, yeah. or at least. <laughs> Maybe you'd lost it 7-5. Maybe you'd <laughs> lost it 6-3, but he played well. I thought it was well either about. I
2: lost 6-love
1: or... Oh, no, I read it as it I went really well. well.
0: And I, my, I was yeah. trying to mm. ask Novak Djokovic in his press conference how it had gone from his perspective, and I never got the chance. Uh, I never got a question. Because, I mean, you know, that Novak Djokovic gets asked a lot of questions, mm. and it also his answers <laughs> go awful. on. I mean, he really does try and give a very considered answer to every question. So unfortunately, I don't have the answer for you.
2: The other really newsworthy, I think, topic that came up in Andy Murray's press conference was about the subject of retirement. And when the, the journalist that asked this initial question, it was Kerry Dean from BBC Scotland, wasn't it, about Andy Murray, how he thinks he might end up retiring, I bristled a bit because I thought Andy Murray, ahead of Wimbledon, does not want to talk about Retirement I thought he is gonna bat this away. <laughs> um and he really, really didn't. No. He said I have an end date in mind. He said it's not anytime soon, don't you know, don't start preparing a cake or anything. But I have an end date in mind. I don't intend to he said I'm not going to do Nadal and tell people about it really far in advance. He, he was pretty clear that he doesn't fancy a, a victory lap or anything, but he does have that date in mind, and that's a real shift, I think. And I, I followed up on that. It was the last pe- question of the press conference. I wondered if actually the physical and emotional strain of what he's putting himself through in order to be out there with aforementioned metal hip, What he's having to go through in training, the time he's having to spare spend away from his family, four kids he's got, and he is, you know, he is a real family man, isn't he? This is this is significant sacrifice at this stage of his life. I wondered if he needs that to not be infinite, in order for it to be doable. And he said, "Yeah," "Yeah, didn't he?" And he said that changed at the Australian Open this year he said when I was doing what I was doing during that run in Australia winning in the middle of the night coming from match points down and spending 17 hours on court he said maybe this isn't that good for me and I thought same Andy I was having the exact same same thought Andy yeah Yeah, going to bed at 7am the tennis podcast felt the same (laughs) um and that was really, really interesting, I thought. that thing. I don't think it made him any less hungry or committed to it, mm. but I think he maybe just had a sort of slightly practical moment of this can't go on forever, um, certainly not doing it this way. And the problem for him is doing it that way is what he loves. It makes him feel alive. It's all he knows. It's all he knows. Um, it's a very interesting moment, I no, think. No, I,
0: I think you're right. I think it frees the mind to know that you can throw yourself into this for a finite period of time, that you've agreed with your family and your own mind, whatever it might be. I would still say that we've kind of been there before and he's so in love with it all. And, and I think what's very clear is he wants to ring out every drop that is there. He said, I want to carry on playing... To see what I've got,
2: he said, I want to carry on until my hip runs out. Until
0: it <laughs> finishes. He said, I'll play till I... my
2: hip finishes. <laughs> <laughs> he said it with a sort of smirk. It was a really bleak.
0: He was sort of searching <laughs> for medical. the word, and I think, oh, that sounds terrible.
2: <laughs> yeah, he sort of got the next hip in a storage cupboard somewhere ready to go uh, (laughs) upon his retirement. Last press conference of the day today uh, was Daniel Medvedev. He, in fact, is the reason that we moved this podcast a little bit later than intended, because what is a Media Day podcast without Daniel Medvedev? And we Mm. so missed him at the French Open when he didn't come to Media Day. Uh, It felt like essential viewing.
1: Mm. And and yet due to a... (laughs) due to, due let's to, call it a cable crisis. Due to factors. <laughs> Catherine was I the, was only, the one only one that actually to, who actually <laughs> went to
2: it. Um, he, I, my question to him was about the fact that up until recently, his ATP bio said that grass was his favourite surface. <laughs> um, I think that changed. I've been monitoring that to see when it would change, and I don't know exactly when it did, but at some point this year, that was amended
1: to... Hard, okay. hardcore. They weren't, they weren't just carrying on maybe the joke. It,
2: Maybe it was during Indian Wells when he declared himself a hard court specialist mid-match. Yeah. Um, I'd have
1: loved it if they would just changed it to clay.
2: <laughs> well, he said, he said, I do really like grass. That wasn't a mistake or a troll. I did used to think of it as my favourite surface and I don't think his um, enjoyment or liking of grass is diminished at all, he said, I've just got way better on hardcourts. And he went, I'm even quite good on clay now. <laughs> <laughs> so actually, grass is kind of in third place, but not because I like it any less than I used to, just because I've got, I've got better elsewhere. Um,
0: Channeling his cocoa golf.
2: But he said he has, in his own words, big goals for Wimbledon this year. He said he's, I mean, he's had a great year, right? He's oh, won, what, fantastic. five titles? But he's really motivated by how poorly he's done in slams this year Mm. by his own standards. I think he feels, I've been playing great tennis. My slam record, which is where it matters the most, isn't reflecting that. And he's got a point to prove. He's got something to Mm. rectify.
1: Mm. Interesting. And he has played so little at Wimbledon, you know, in, in, in terms of, Since Medvedev became Medvedev, which was, I think we can all agree, that glorious summer of 2019, you know, there was... (laughs) There was no...
2: (laughs) I can do that now on YouTube.
0: (laughs) We're going to get uh, a hold that of was the just air. A, That was just a little <laughs> present for anybody joining
2: us on, on YouTube. Um, <laughs> you go
0: to sleep at night. <laughs> How can I make a serious Sorry. Medvedev point now? You've, 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 the pod
1: has peaked. Um, you know, there was no Wimbledon in 2020. He did okay in 2021. And he was banned last year. Mm. You know, Medvedev as Medvedev has so little Wimbledon experience. And that, you know again it feeds it feeds back into that conversation of why Novak Djokovic is such a strong favourite here that even Daniil Medvedev who's beaten Novak Djokovic in a Grand Slam final we under more normal circumstances I think we would Mm. think of Medvedev as as a real threat to Djokovic here but I just don't know what to expect from from Medvedev given that lack of experience here and his poor form in the slams this season
2: Mm interesting though isn't it he's Mm. sort of very he becomes this a a dangerous floater rather than somebody on whom we're placing Mm. (laughs) (laughs) to
0: me he should he should be good on this because Mm. grass courts have become more like hard courts he's got the flat Flat hitter yeah he's got a big serve (laughs) maybe the forehand is a little too elaborate and in the wind-up for this
2: But it looks too elaborate on on yeah. hard as well.
0: I mean, it he, always looks. He lost weird. to Hubert Hercatch one yeah. year when he really should have mm. been making. But further he ha- he's progress. got a Hubert Hercatch problem. Yeah, but no, I mean, the, I th- I think because he's not done it before, we okay. tend to <laughs> we tend to miss <laughs> him out. You know, we, because he's he just hasn't made the breakthrough, he tends to get ignored in in the chat beforehand. Maybe we need to change that.
2: Well, we'll see. Won't we? Will he play Monday or Tuesday? I've, I've put Matt well, on the Well, he's spot not here. in Novak Djokovic's half of the draw, so he'll play, Tuesday. Door,
1: so he'll play okay. Tuesday.
2: OK. We will be back next on Monday. Yep. Our plan for the daily pods from Monday through to second Sunday of Wimbledon, men's finals day of course there's no Middle Sunday anymore so we're right the way through, 14 days straight is that we will be with you live on YouTube shortly after the conclusion of singles play on the show courts so just allowing time for us to leg it from wherever we've been watching or whatever press conference we've been (coughs) in and to set up here in this incredible spot we will be with you to wrap up the day's play and look ahead to the next one we'll advertise the exact time as soon as we know it but we will be with you we are the place to come for your review of the day at Wimbledon and for you know assorted (laughs) assorted obscene gestures Um, and of course we'll be available as a podcast as per usual shortly after that the show will go up uh, very soon after we finish recording. So lots to look forward to over the coming fortnight of the tennis podcast live from Wimbledon. We have our Wimbledon mascot, Erin, who hey. continues to look displeased <laughs> with the fact <laughs> that she's the Wimbledon mascot. Send us some more photos, Daryl. Prove to us that she's pumped. about her new role we have our mascots I've got Xenia David's got Maisie Matt has got Darwin the anxious time of Grand Slam predictions is approaching Billie Jean is sponsored by Billie Jean King and Alana Kloss we have our top folks and executive producers Jamie, Hannah and Drew hello to them and we have shout outs Matt
1: yes for Stephen Ralston who is in Guildford Oh, like, like Dennis, Dennis Ralston,
0: who's Immense. sadly no longer with us, but was a, a great player and coach um, from yesteryear. I can't remember exactly the years, but I mean, we I remember we paid tribute to him when he passed away a few years ago. And uh, yeah, that's a—that's. I'm really proud of us, Catherine. That's a
2: very good tennis name. Where where did you say Stephen was from? Guildford. Lovely stuff. Right, Stephen. Thanks lovely, for being a friend Guildford. of the tennis podcast. Love, lovely cobbled high street in Guildford it's lovely stuff thank you Stephen
1: we've also got Daniel Bergsten who is from Stockholm but now living in France
2: Ooh. hello Daniel
1: Like
0: Daniel Evans who is one yeah, of my press conferences I f- today Aren't I feel yours? like I might have mm. met Daniel ok ok
2: oh. TBC on that. I think I've met Daniel. Hello Daniel.
0: Hi Daniel.
1: Well he's been listening to and supporting the tennis podcast since 2015.
2: Oh good Wow work. that is too long so ago. So basically
0: <laughs> when Matt Roberts came on board he was in.
2: Yeah but that, Matt Roberts was not an audio presence in 2015. <laughs> no, that is a lot of years of he, listening to just he, you and me he, before the payoff. He, <laughs> yeah
0: okay but he, got, that's, he, that's hard he cool. got the gist of student Matt on the mm. on the internet on Twitter he was
2: holding out for <laughs> <laughs> thank you Daniel
1: and finally we have Ricky Caraviotis. hello oh, Ricky Ricky is in Sydney
2: fantastic it's, it's winter in Sydney at the moment isn't yeah it?
0: actually you know how I asked I wonder what the weather's like in Melbourne at this time of year yesterday well somebody wrote to tell me uh, said it was about 15 degrees and horrible yeah, so. I don't
2: think this is the time to, to visit Melbourne, no. necessarily, or Sydney. But lovely place, generally. Yep. <laughs> Thank you, Ricky. Any tennis Rickies? I can do a sporting Ricky. I can do Ricky Hatton. OK. The boxer. Yeah,
0: I'm afraid Any I'm struggling on, 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 on Rickies in the tennis world. We'll have to give it some extra thought.
2: Ricky Hatton it is.
0: I've got Mackay in my head, isn't it?
1: Okay. (laughs) We'll fact check this, guys. don't know why I said that live. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: Ricky, thank you ever so much for your support. You are our only tennis Ricky as things stand at the moment. We are not counting Ricky Uh, Mackay. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching on YouTube if that's what you're doing. Do click like and subscribe if you're enjoying what you're watching. If you're not, do us a favour and hit like and subscribe anyway <laughs> throw us a bone. Um, tell your friends about the tennis podcast follow us on social media leave us an iTunes review it's not called iTunes anymore is it it's called Apple Podcasts even because, I knew that <laughs> because we're, we're down with the youth Apple Podcasts li- leave us a review on there and most importantly join us again on Monday for our first live all recorded if you're listening on the podcast podcast from wimbledon from this incredible spot overlooking course 18 we'll be here hopefully you'll be here
0: and we'll see you then